This is the Wildly Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Luke. And I'm Holly. Through our website and this podcast, we're seeking to connect with what Wildly Wellbeing means, and by listening today, you're joining us. Today is part two of our conversation talking about the environment. Last week's episode was part one. We had so much to say that we've had to split it into two. So this week we're going to continue and we're going to dive straight back in. If you haven't listened to last week's, you might want to listen to that so you have some clue of what we're talking about. But just to catch you up, we ended on chopsticks. In the blog I wrote, I sort of ended on the reflection or the thought that being green is not about being comfortable. And if we think, oh, this is quite easy, looking after the environment or being green, then we're not doing enough. So yeah, caring for our planet or ensuring that we have a planet in the future, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to involve organisation. It's going to involve maybe investing in a good water bottle or chopsticks. And it's going to involve a certain amount of not just habit, but in a way, sacrifice. Yeah. And I think also about putting about not saying that our needs, our own personal needs are secondary, but saying actually, are my, are my needs in this moment more important than someone else's needs? So the impacts of global warming, the impacts of climate change are going to be worse for people living in poverty than they are for people who are living in the affluent West. People who live in Southeast Asia who are already susceptible to tsunami, to flash flooding, to um, heavy monsoon seasons, these things are impacted by climate change. And they're the ones, those who live in poverty, who can't afford to live away from the coast, who can't afford to live in houses that are supported and, 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 and the infrastructure designed to survive these kinds of natural disasters, they're the ones that are going to suffer. So I started to think now, I was like, well, actually, by me doing these things, I'm contributing to positive change for those people. And it's similar as well to the shift that I made, partly when I decided to become a vegetarian and the kind of the impact that not eating meat has on the environment, the positive impact that not eating meat has on the environment, but also in the shift when it, to going to fair trade on items that are accessible um, that way. I really love how you talk about the simplicity of chocolate. Can you just tell us about that? Yeah, one of the easiest ways into having conversations around the importance of social accountability is through chocolate. I mean, I'm a chocolate fiend. I love it. And I've, over the last few years, really got into, like, in, maybe in a similar way to how you've kind of really resonated with wine recently, really started to find pleasure in the complexities of chocolate and how it's made and the process that goes into it and the different types and grades of chocolate that are out there. For me, the chocolate example is super simple. It literally is, is my desire for this chocolate bar that might cost me 60 or 70p more important, more valuable than the life of the person who has farmed it or the environmental impact that that farming process then has on the world? So by shopping fair trade, by choosing to purchase a fair trade chocolate bar that is both sustainably sourced but also those who are farming it get a fair and living wage. I know that I not only get something that I really love and that I really enjoy, but I haven't put that desire above the needs or the wants of other people. That's a really simple move to make, but a really powerful one at the same time. Food is definitely a topic which I think we'll talk about again. Once I start talking about well-sourced nuts, I might not stop. And on the topic of your own desires versus the planet and other people in our world, clothing is certainly something that I've really been challenged by in the last couple of years. And the impact 
the negative impact of fast fashion on the environment and on other human beings is really quite shocking when you research it or when you learn about it. It's also challenging because it's changing an ingrained habit and an ingrained desire that we've grown up with for something new, for something that looks pretty. And as an adult reflecting on these things, it's really reminded me that we need to question and we need to research and look into these things. Because if you don't learn about the reality of the poverty of the people who are making your clothes, of the fact it takes 200 years for an item of clothing to decompose because it's got so many plastic particles in it. If you don't find out about that, you don't know and you can't make changes that make a positive impact to stopping that as a production. I think I've got a lot more to learn about alternatives that I really connect with. But for now, I have been using a lot of secondhand clothing apps and websites so that the item I buy might not be the best when it was originally made, but at least I'm giving it a second or a third home and stopping it from going to a landfill and sitting there for the next hundred years. And we'll be sure to share links to some of the things that we've spoken about today and some of the apps that Holly was just talking about uh, in the blurb for this podcast as well. For me, the the kind of turning point experience that you've just been articulating was has definitely been rooted in my travel habit. I'm a big traveler. The last few months of not being able to travel has been hard. And we've spoken a little bit about the privilege of travel before. So checking my privilege when I say that. My intention, at least for 2020, was to go flight free. And in many ways, that has been achieved in a less desirable way. (laughs) Thank you, Um, COVID. I did have to fly um, to get back to the UK at the end of the trip, just before the UK closes borders, because we were coming back from Albania and all the land borders around us were shutting. But my intention for 2020 was to not fly. And that was because I was becoming really aware of the the really harmful impact that my hobby, my, my habit was having. And again, it was that I want to go on holiday or I want to visit this country. I want to go and work in this country even. I want to go whatever. Um, I want to go experience that country in a a new way. It was my desire that I was putting above the needs of others and the needs of the planet. And I can still travel. I mean, I can't do it quite as easily at the moment, but I can still travel without flying. And that's not to say that I'm never going to get on a plane again. Hopefully next year, I want to visit Japan um, and very difficult to visit Japan without getting a flight at some point. So I'm not saying I'm never going to fly again, but I'm just saying there are ways that I can reduce my air mileage um, and I can do it consciously and say, well, I I don't have to completely lose out on something that I love. I can actually do it in a far more, I find a far more enjoyable and pleasurable way, which is getting on a train, sitting back and watching the world go by, not being stuffed into a tin can at 38,000 feet. I probably speak for a lot of us to say that such an admirable thing to do. And not all of us, not everyone is necessarily in the position or the place where they will make that big kind of decision right now or that big change. But what you've just shown us is you might have missed out on going in a plane, but you've gained time and enjoyment and pleasure from the journey. So making changes can bring about positives we don't even know about that we wouldn't have expected. And sometimes... I guess we have to miss out. But if we miss out and someone else or the environment gains, then surely that's a win. Yeah. And I think, again, it has to be about balance. I don't think 
standing on a corner with a megaphone telling people what they can and can't do works. But I think we can all probably take a little bit of an introspective look at ourselves and the way that we live our lives and say, how can I start to make positive and incremental change to bring about what hopefully then becomes larger and a a more positive change for the world around me? So on that, what are we going to do to challenge ourselves maybe over the next few months that we can be held accountable to by those listening, what are we going to do to change other things in our lives? I really like this as a challenge because I think we've both reached a certain level of interaction or interest and input into environmental issues, but it's very easy to sit still. I've got two things. Can I have two, please, Luke? You can definitely have two. Okay, so my first thing is actually 100% sticking to the things that I say I do and not making excuses. Because in general, I try to avoid plastic, but so often I'll be out and, oh my gosh, wasn't organised enough to take some food. I'm hungry. I buy something that comes in small plastic packaging. Or I'm running late, so I drive my car. All these little things can add up to make a difference, and I want to make sure that I don't make excuses. You can keep me to that as well, Luke. Okay. And my second thing is get involved on a larger scale. So I want to look into the kind of petitions I can get involved with, the kind of letters maybe I can write. I've just downloaded an app from a great organisation there. Well, there was a social network called We Don't Have Time, which I think is an excellent name. On this app, you get news and petitions and information from all around the world on environmental issues. And I want to engage on a a larger scale as well. Okay. So you've got your... You've got your, yes, good luck. You've got those two, not small challenges, but it's good. Like you said, it's good to keep motivated. What about you? What are yours? So mine, the first one, and this is something that I committed to, I think at the beginning of 2019, and I've just, I've not stuck to. I run the tap a lot. I'm a clean freak. So if I'm washing up, I rinse everything and I will rinse the sink out a few times a day. I will make sure that my my stainless steel edging to the sink is buffed. But that often means I, I waste a lot of water. And the same when I'm cleaning, even something simple like cleaning my teeth or washing my face, I will just leave the tap running. I know that I'm doing it every single time when I clean my teeth, I just turn it on, I just leave it running and I can I can feel myself doing it. And yet there's not been that connection yet between the mental awareness and the physical action to stop it. So this is me very publicly telling people, um, so any other listeners that randomly ever bumps into me, just ask me if I've turned my tap off that day. Um, I like that you balance it out with a bamboo toothbrush, though. I do have a bamboo toothbrush. Um, I do love my bamboo toothbrush. So th- there is that. But yeah, the water situation is not great. And then also, secondly, like I talk the talk when it comes to shopping ethically, but I really struggle, particularly living in London, which might be surprising, but I really struggle to find a good local greengrocer that I can use instead of getting fruit and veg from supermarkets because they're always excessively packaged. I cannot for the life of me understand why my carrot comes in a plastic bag. It makes no sense to me. It's got a skin on it and you wash it anyway. I need to work harder at going out to find the places that don't wrap everything excessively in plastic. I need to go to somewhere that sells like seeds and nuts 
in bulk. I need to not just pop down to the carp that's in my building and buy the the strawberries or whatever in their excessive amount of plastic just because they're there. And again, that's a bit like what you were saying about jumping in the car because you're running late. It's something similar. It's that kind of, it's not quite laziness, but it's just that kind of, well, it's there and it's accessible, so I'm going to use it. So I need to get better at being more deliberate at finding particularly fresh fruit and veg that is not excessively wrapped in plastic. So let's see how we do over the next couple of months. It'd be really interesting to hear if you have made any changes to your life recently, environmentally, or if you have any personal challenges for yourself as well and you would like to join us. Yes, we absolutely want to hear from you. So as always, you can comment on the various forms of social media that you might be interacting with us, whether that's on Instagram through at LocomotionLuca or at Rome Away From Home blog or via our website or on the Podbean account itself. We want to hear from you. How are you getting involved in issues of climate change? How are you trying to make your life greener? And what are you finding difficult? What are your stumbling blocks? And tune in next week for another Worldly Wellbeing podcast. Mm-hmm.